Welcome to our worship on Sunday the 16th of January. We consider the wedding at Cana, a story which talks about Jesus and his disciples being invited to a wedding feast. And what unfolds reminds us of the grace of God and how God meets us even at the point of our need. And so friends, as we draw together in worship, our call to worship. Creator God, abundant giver, at a wedding in Cana, you turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. We come to you ready for you to turn our ordinariness into something extraordinary for you today. But we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we sing with Adrian. I'm Adrian Pallant and we sing this worship song as we draw near to God. Come, now is the time to worship. Give your heart. Come. 
just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. That was come, now is the time to worship. Friends, let us pray. God, who called all things into being from nothing, we adore you. Christ, who combined the human and divine in equal measure, we adore you. Holy Spirit, who enables the ordinary within us to become extraordinary, we adore you. In the middle of the longest and darkest month of the year, on an ordinary Sunday, bereft of celebration or feast, we come to you, O God of change and transformation, seeking a drop of the divine, a glimpse of your glory. Transform our day by changing our way of seeing, we pray. Amen. We say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. We hear our first reading from Scripture. I'm delighted that Erin is reading for us today. She reads firstly from Isaiah 62, verses 1 to 5. I will speak out to encourage Jerusalem. I will not be silent until she is saved and her victory shines like a torch in the night. Jerusalem, the nations will see you victorious. All their kings will see your glory. You'll be called by a new name, a name given by the Lord himself. You'll be like a beautiful crown for the Lord. No longer will you be called forsaken, or your land be called the deserted wife. Your new name will be God is pleased with her. Your land will be called happily married, because the Lord is pleased with you and will be like a husband to your land, like a young man taking a virgin as his bride. He who formed you will marry you, as a groom is delighted with his bride, so your God will delight in you. Erin, thank you so much for that reading. As we contemplate the word of God, we sing the song, Speak, O Lord.
We hear again from Erin as she reads for us the Gospel uh, account today from John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, entitled The Wedding at Cana. Two days later, there was a wedding in the town of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine had given out, Jesus' mother said to him, 
they have no wine left. You must not tell me what to do, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Jesus' mother then told the servants, do whatever he tells you. The Jews have rules about ritual washing, and for this purpose, six stone water jars were there, each one large enough to hold about a hundred litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill these jars with water. They filled them to the brim, and then he told them, now, draw some water out and take it to the man in charge of the feast. They took him the water, which now had turned into wine, and he tasted it. He did not know where this wine had come from, but, of course, the servants who had drawn out the water knew. So he called out the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone else serves the best wine first. And after the guests have had plenty to drink, he serves the ordinary wine. But you have kept the best wine until now. Jesus performed this first miracle in Cana in Galilee. There he revealed his glory after his disciples believed him. Oh, Jesus performed this first miracle in Cana in Galilee. There he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, Jesus and his mother, brothers and disciples went to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. Erin, thank you very much for bringing that gospel account to us of the wedding at Cana from John's Gospel. That is the lectionary reading set for today and you think it had been deliberately planned given all the news this week about a party that has been highlighted um, more than any other party has been for a number of years. A party that's caused questions, concern and distress for many people and all that that entails too. And so this lectionary seems uh, quite an appropriate lectionary, although of course it wasn't against any rules to have the party that Jesus went to. The lectionary reveals another party. Some years ago, um, a host of a well-known talk show interviewed an eight-year-old boy. The boy was asked to appear because he had rescued two friends whilst playing at a disused building site near his home. As the interviewer questioned the boy, it became apparent to him and to the audience that the young boy was a Christian and had gone to Sunday school. So the host asked him a straightforward question, and do you attend Sunday school? And when the boy said he did, the interviewer inquired, well, what have you been learning in Sunday school? Well, last week, said the boy, our lesson was about how Jesus went to a wedding and turned water into wine. Well, the audience roared with laughter, but the interviewer tried to keep a straight face. Then he said to the boy, and what did you learn from the story? At which point the boy squirmed in his chair. It apparently hadn't really thought about this. But then he broke into a broad smile and said, if you're going to have a wedding, make sure you invite Jesus. I think that's quite a profound statement from someone so young. And perhaps he was onto something. This is the first recorded miracle in John's Gospel. He's turning of water into wine at the Cana in Galilee. And as I read or reread this account, I asked myself a couple of questions. I asked myself, why did Jesus turn water into wine? And I suppose that seems quite a straightforward question, but do we do we ask it? And why does John and the Gospel of John specifically record this 
miracle. After all, Jesus performs lots of miracles that we've not got. They haven't been kept for posterity. We know that John has a lot of material to draw from, but he gives his reason for his final selection of stories and encounters in his penultimate chapter of his gospel. So in verse 30 and 31 of chapter 20, John writes these words. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. So this miracle, this turning of, of water into wine, is recorded that we, the readers, may believe that Jesus is firstly the Christ, the Son of God, and then we progress from there to learn that we may have life and fullness of life in his name. So if we're to have that fullness of life in his name, what is it about this miracle that will enable us to have faith in Jesus? It is the most extraordinary miracle. It's, it's remarkable. It's not just a drop of wine from a few bottles, but we're told there are six stone jars full of wine. Six stone jars is told or, or um, critiques of, of this tell us that those six stone jars are equivalent to around 2,400 glasses of wine per jar. They must have been huge. Uh, so Jesus was hardly a killjoy. And I can think of, of, of a number of reasons. Perhaps you can too as you recount this story. But I want to think, focus on three of why Jesus performed this particular miracle. And they begin with C's. One's compassion, one is covenant stroke communion, and the other is confidence. On the simplest level, the miracle shows us that Jesus is absolutely compassionate. He gets the couple out of a social disaster. The young couple who are married were just about to make the faux pas of their married lives, and they've only just started. In those days, running out of wine at a wedding was not a minor social inconvenience. You couldn't just nip out down to Tesco's and buy some more, or other supermarkets, of course. In the first century, running out of wine at a wedding was a social disgrace. And the couple, in essence, should have planned better. It's a major breach of the demands of hospitality, and it would be devastating for the couple. And in those days, a wedding went on for a good week and the couple keeping open the house rather than going off on honeymoon is what they did. So Jesus simply helped them out. And it's worth reflecting on the fact that when God does something, he does it well. Can you imagine the conversation? Someone needs to go to the grocery store. And of course, which often means the person hearing it is then the person that has to go. Or at least it's a hint they have to go. And I wonder how we hear this gospel story for today. I wonder sometimes if we we place that essence on Jesus of, of just being the convenient miracle worker, that, that something needs to be fixed, there's a problem that needs fixing. Um, they have no wine, Mary says to Jesus. We tell Jesus and voila, somehow he makes more wine so the party can continue just as it was before. But is that really enough? Is that all we need? A refill? Do we just want Jesus to fix a problem 
and go on with the same old life in the same old way. And here's my confession, because yes, sometimes that's exactly what I want. I just want the problem to be fixed and to go away so I can get on with my life. And I suspect we all at some point in our lives just want some fixing. We want Jesus to show up and wave the divine wand and make it all better. They have no wine. Da-da! Now they do. But that's not what Jesus is. And that isn't what this gospel or our faith is about. In some way, this way spares us from God and from life. It keeps us from encountering the new, the possible, the unforeseen, if we just want our, our issue to be just fixed. It entertains, Jesus entertained in that way, but it doesn't transform or change life. Just a magical reading of the gospel leaves us wondering what really happened. What's Jesus' next trick? And of course, people follow Jesus, expecting just to see him to do something miraculous or some magical tricks. How did he do that? And if we're really honest with ourselves, we know better. Because today's gospel asks us to look for and to see the miraculous. It's not magic. And the question behind every miracle story is this. What does it mean for us? What possibilities does this story raise for our lives and for the world? I don't know if Jesus literally and physically turned water into wine, but then I don't really think that's the point of today's gospel. I don't think the gospel reading is ultimately about turning water into wine. It's more than that. I think it's about calling forth life when there's none. It's about transformation. It's about living a new life. And the text itself gives us a couple of hints to suggest this. Firstly, in some translations, no, though not the one we've heard today from the good news, but in other translations, it says the story happens on the third day. So that's the, th that's the third day which correlates to, yeah, the resurrection, a new life, a new beginning, a rebirth. The second hint is this there was a wedding. Again, this is about new life. Two people coming together to create and live a new life, a change and to be changed by each other, to be open themselves to unknowable possibilities and unforeseeable futures. And all this makes me wonder, maybe running out of wine is not a problem to be fixed, but the beginning of something new. Maybe it's calling into new life or an invitation into more life. No one likes to run out of wine, but maybe it's necessary for our growth and our maturity. That can be difficult, unsettling and sometimes painful. I'm not talking about the time when we have to decide whether we see the glass half full or half empty. I'm talking about the time when the glass is completely and utterly dry. The bottle is on its side, the party is over, and we're dying of thirst. When have we felt dry, empty and thirsty? When have you felt dry, empty and thirsty? Mary, in her request of Jesus, doesn't set out any expectations. She doesn't tell Jesus what to do. She offers no suggestions about the wine they need. She just names the reality. And then she lets the reality of the situation call to and invite Jesus to respond. Mary is simply holding open the door 
for something to happen. The door to a new possibility, the door to a new life, the door of hope. And isn't that really what we want every time we pray? We're holding open the door to our life, another's life, the life of the world, and hoping Jesus will walk through, hoping he will show up and do something. We need to be not like the couple, not like the disciples, not like all those who were feasting that day. We need to be like Mary, to name the empty, the dry places, even when we don't know how they will be filled up. Lord, they have no food, no justice, no security. Lord, I have no vision or direction for my life. Lord, they have no health, no worry, no safety. Lord, they have no wine. Sometimes we need to be the ones to carry and pour water, even when we can't see that it makes making a difference. Sometimes we need to be the chief steward, naming and recognising new life, helping others to taste the new wine. Opening the door to Jesus it's always a risk. We invite a response and we have no control over what that response will be. This is his promise. In this covenant, in this communion, newness, richness and transformation. And for the disciples who witnessed all of this, a new confidence. And we too have a new confidence in Christ. Will you hold open the door for him and invite him to respond? Amen. We listen to this beautiful song, Speak in the Stillness, Lord, we pray. stillness God we pray come to our hearts and meet us here bring us your peace for each new day the gift of grace to earth from heaven the gift of grace to earth from heaven
to earth from hell. Lift us to see with heaven's eyes We long to soar on eagles' wings As we press on to claim your prize The gift of grace to earth from hell The gift of grace to earth from hell So may we be renewed in love Held and sustained by you alone Strengthened by you that we may prove A gift of grace to earth from hell A gift of grace to earth from hell Adrian, thank you for ministering to us through, through worship and song. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your transforming power will be released, enabling the power of love to prevail. Into places where people live in fear, where basic human rights are ignored, where people are trafficked or treated as slaves. As you turn water into wine, transform hatred into love. Lord, we pray that your transforming power will be released, enabling the power of love to prevail. Into places where women and men are bitter because of perceived wrongs of the past, where jobs are hard to find, even when sentences have been served, where there's no such thing as a fresh start. As you turn water into wine, transform injury through pardon. Lord, we pray that your transforming power will be released, enabling the power of love to prevail into situations of mistrust and insecurity, where people do not know who or what to believe, where fake news is rife and lying is an acceptable norm. As you turn water into wine, transform doubt into truth. Lord, we pray that your transforming power will be released, enabling the power of love to prevail, where people see no way of paying off debts, where queuing at the food bank is all the future seems to hold, where homes or jobs seem nothing more than a distant dream. As you turned water into wine, transform despair into hope. Lord, we pray that your transforming power will be released, enabling the power of love to prevail. To those who stroke the hands of loved ones nearing the end. To those who wait anxiously for the phone to ring, fearing the worst. To those who weep for loved ones now at rest. And today... As in days that have gone, we pray for those people we know who mourn. Today, remembering 
Nigel Mountford's family. As you turn water into wine, transform sadness into peace by your comforting presence. Lord, we pray that your transforming power will be released, enabling the power of love to prevail. Use us, Lord, to bring understanding, consolation and love. Stronger the assurance that it is in giving that we receive, in pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. As you turn water into wine, transform us into your disciples, agents of change in a broken world. Amen. Oh
Friends, thank you for joining us today on this act of worship on Sunday the 16th of January. Our final blessing. May Jesus Christ, changer of water into wine, taker of the ordinary in our lives, transform us for his glory and make us extraordinary for his sake. Let us leave this place, go from here, with God's miraculous grace brimming up inside of us, taking with us that abundance of love and power and sharing it with everyone we meet. In the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, God bless you. May God draw close to you as you continue your pilgrimage of life and faith with him. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>